there, Edge friends. Welcome to the PL Playbook Podcast, a show about all things related to professional learning and education. I'm your host, Jackie Weinkoop, proud Pennsylvania educator, secondary instructional coach, and co-founder of Belfont Reads, a dedicated group of book lovers with a mission to put quality books in the hands of children and families. So you may have noticed that I haven't released an episode in over a month. As much as that pained me, it just had to happen. I have been so incredibly busy these past few weeks, and I think every educator needs to recognize when they're in over their head and that they need to step back. So that's what I did. Let me give you just a little taste, though, of how I've been spending these past few weeks off the air. First of all, I was initiated into the role of what I like to call drama mama. My daughter just finished playing the role of Liesl in her middle school's rendition of The Sound of Music, which came with just a little added responsibility for me too. I was busy serving dinners to 80 plus kids for the late night rehearsals, selling tickets and candy grams, and of course, attending all four, yes, four shows. It truly was awesome though, and I wouldn't trade the experience for anything in the world. I was just so proud, and it brought back so many awesome memories for me as I actually played the role of Brigida in the same musical close to uh, <coughs> um, 30 years ago. As my daughter takes pure delight in telling me, she did have a bigger role than me, and alas, she is a better singer. Oh well. <laughs> I've talked about this on the podcast several times before, but I was also very busy planning the 2023 One Book, One Belfont program. We had a huge celebration at the high school just a few weeks ago, and while it was awesome, bringing something so big back after three years off due to COVID was a little scary. I think I had pushed out of my mind just how much work it actually takes to pull off. That being said, the event did go off without a hitch and our committee is scheming about next year's book selections and program. On top of all of that, less than two weeks ago, I helped coordinate the Pennsylvania State Destination Imagination Tournament. This is also something I've discussed on the podcast, but for a brief recap, Destination Imagination, affectionately known as DI, is a STEAM-based creative problem-solving competition. It truly is an amazing experience for kids. One of my teams placed first for their challenge level and thus received an invite to attend the global finals competition to be held in Kansas City, Missouri in May. Thus, I am now busy trying to fundraise for this big trip. Anyway, enough about all that I've been doing. I hope you've had a great couple of weeks and are ready to dig into more learning about what else? professional learning. I am so excited to welcome today's special guest. So let's get to it. Okay, so I am so excited to welcome Megan Hoover to the podcast. Now, Megan and I have been connecting on Twitter for several years, but this is the first time that we're meeting and actually talking. So I am so excited for you guys to hear from Megan. So Megan, if you could start off by just introducing yourself to listeners, um, that would be great. 
Sure. Thanks, Jackie. It's great to talk to you in real life. And thank you for your podcast. We've gotten so much out of it and just love all of your ideas and everything that you um, share here and on Twitter. So um, I was a high school science teacher for nine years. I started out in the Altoona School District where I grew up, and now I'm in Ephrata, which is in Lancaster County. Um, I left the classroom for a technology integrator coaching role, which was a two-year um, position. And then we were retitled to instructional coaches because we realized that it wasn't the technology that should be the focus, it should be the instruction. Um, so I was a, an intermediate middle school instructional coach for the last four years. And then this year I've moved into a newly created position called student engagement facilitator. And our roles are really about learning about the student experience from the student perspective. So getting to interact with kids and hear about what school is like for them and then try to bring that information back to inform decision making at the classroom level at the school level district level um, what do adults need to learn based on what we're hearing from kids um, and we're really trying to make sure that we're engaging all students and making sure that all students belong so it's been a journey and I'm in my 16th year now wow that role that you're in now is so unique is that is that something that's kind of unique to your district or area, or are there other schools in your surrounding area that have similar positions? It seems like we're pretty unique um, at this point, at least in Pennsylvania. Um, super, super blessed to be in a district where our leadership and our school board really, really do value the student voice. Um, I've heard and gotten to interact with um, some districts that have similar positions in like Virginia, Florida, but I don't know that this is the norm in Pennsylvania yet. So yes, it's definitely unique and it's exciting and just feel really, really, really blessed to be chosen for a role like this. Yeah, that congratulations. And, you know, obviously you're just into the role this first year, but I would love to bring you back on at some point just to even maybe talk about, you know, as you're getting more familiar with your role and you're starting to make things happen, um, how that maybe has impacted even professional learning in your district, because I think that could be a really cool topic. Yeah, and I'm not the only one in the role. My colleague, Matt Shuck, is amazing. And I'm so glad that there's two of us because we're just kind of figuring it out as we go. And really, it's a partnership role. So trying to figure out what is needed and what to do next. And I'm super grateful to have him as well. Yeah, that's super cool. And even, you know, we we talk a lot on this podcast about the importance of teacher voice and teacher choice. And so mm -hmm. you're bringing that, you know, what's more what's more important than giving the students that choice and that voice as well. So that's that's awesome. I can't wait to even just see all the amazing things you're going to continue to do in that role. So um so anyway, Megan, we we've been interacting again for on a lot of different things on Twitter over the past couple of years, but when you reached out about potentially joining the podcast, you had a really interesting idea for a topic. And I think it's one that's that's a really important topic. Um, and that is using data, specifically exit ticket data, from professional learning sessions to um, make decisions about future professional learning. So if you don't mind taking listeners down that journey, um, talking about some of the things that you've tried and how that data has impacted you know, the professional learning in your district. Sure. Yeah. So I guess it's like my science teacher coming out that I just love data so much and need data so much, but we all do. And part of our coaching um, and coaching rubric should be the use of data. So um, I would say that our specific focus with exit tickets 
really started during school closure because we were realizing that we weren't going to be able to kind of get read the room and figure out how the professional learning landed. And we were trying entirely new things, obviously. So we've actually been using kind of the same exit ticket structure and actually a lot of the same exit tickets since March of 2020. And I think for us as coaches, that consistency has been helpful because we're not creating brand new questions every time. We just kind of duplicate and, and shuffle around if we feel like we need to. But I also think for teachers, they now know what to expect and they know that they're going to have a space to share feedback and that we actually go through all of it and try to adjust as much as possible. So I know you're passionate about PL, not PD. I think yes. one of the first things we're super, super grateful that our district entrusts us with so much professional learning and allows us to steer and contribute to what we're doing as a district. Um, the One of the first shifts that we kind of made when we started doing more of the professional learning in our district was try to move away from reporting out what you did to reflecting on and sharing what you learned. And so then with that, we kind of in our exit ticket structure, try to make sure that we have reflection on the learning and the content of the session. And we try to separate that from feedback on the logistics or the format of the session. So in our learning section of the exit ticket, we probably one of our favorite questions to ask is just what was your top takeaway? Because that kind of gives us the snapshot of What's the thing that's going to stick with you? Um, and it could be something you heard a colleague say. It could be something that you saw or that you interacted with on a choice board or something like that. But top takeaway is one of our favorites. And then we've also kind of learned that giving a good sentence stem is maybe even better than just asking an open-ended question. So we also really like um, what's your muddiest point? What's the thing that's not clear, that's not feeling like it's making sense or that you need additional clarification on? And just trying to um, be able to sort of leave with an understanding of what did we get and what do we still need? Um, we've also done kind of like rosebud thorn, like trying to elicit some of those same kinds of things. What are you excited about and what are you unsure of um, in the learning section? We also try to give um, a space or, or options for how would you like follow up from this session and or how would you like feedback? Um, we've done kind of like checkbox of, I want a coach to follow up with me. I'm good till next time. I want to follow up, but not right away to try to on our end, open up some doors for coaching, but also be able to prioritize who needs follow up right now versus who can maybe wait till later. Um, and then for our format questions, we do, again, every single time since um, spring of 2020, even if it's our virtual book studies or anything like that, we always ask the same six format questions on a one to four rating. Um, so those are the learning from this session was relevant to my role. Number two is I can immediately apply my learning. Number three is this session was organized and easy to navigate and understand. Number four was my learning will benefit student learning in my classroom or role. 
Number five is this session or activity ran true to time. Super important for our asynchronous stuff. And yeah. then number six, this session modeled ways to use strategies and or technology in my setting. So we're able to also get a snapshot of how, how we're feeling about the format of the session too. Yeah. I love how you have the two different kind of main sections. So you have the reflection on the learning, um, but then you also have the reflection on the format because they, they are two very different things. Um, and the other really thing that I like that you mentioned was the idea of asking teachers to reflect on what they need now as a result and you using that as coaches. So we know as coaches, like we're always looking for more opportunities to connect with teachers and to get into classrooms and to farther extend the learning. So I think that's one really great way to have that follow-up, but also target the follow-up based on, you know, the specific needs that teachers may have and when they need them. So that, that's great. Was it when you guys came up with this survey and the format and the questions, was it the coaches that did it? Do you all have a professional learning team that focuses on that? I would say that we're the, the professional learning designers. And especially during school closure, we were like, what are we going to do and how are we going to help? And we were tinkering with all different kinds of things. Um, our district had always done exit tickets and they still do. But we sort of said, hey, can we take this and make it what what we need. Um, and then we have opportunity to share back. Um, that's part of it too. Like as we look at what's next for, for session to session, but also what's next as a district. Like at this point in the year, if we're looking ahead to next year and what the needs are, we're able to bring back then a summary of that to our building principles. So we we are partnered, our coaching um, roles are kind of by grade band. So we have partnerships with our building principles and we're able to take them kind of an overview snapshot of where your building is. But then we're also able to share back with district leadership. These were the overall trends. This is what people are saying they want, they need. Um, and we kind of have that historically too. And over time, we've kind of been able to be like, this works, this doesn't work. We think this is really relevant, but our participants said it wasn't. So what did what could we adjust to make sure that it's clear how this connects to everyone's role um, and just kind of going through that process? We're not a very big district, so we don't have like a huge committee, but we're trying to make sure that we're everyone who's leading instruction. We, we try to have those open lines of communication as much as possible. Yeah, and you said, so maybe just to give a little bit of context too for listeners about the types of professional learning that you offer in your district. So do you have the virtual pieces plus the in-person pieces? And does this survey, you know, allow teachers to reflect on both? Yeah, so we try to do, um, we have full day professional learning and half day professional learning in our district during the year. And we have a good bit of autonomy to decide like, hey, we think this would lend itself to an online module that teachers are going to do on a half day and then they'll get together later. Um, even in the sessions that we facilitate, there tends to be a mix of maybe we'll start together and then they're going to end doing something virtually. But then our summer professional learning is choice based and we've offered face to face flex days. We've done fully online um, thing courses on Schoology is our learning management system. Um, you had Laura Mandel on earlier in the year to talk about our book studies where that's completely on your own and you can read on the beach if you want, but this is our same 
exit ticket format for all of those things. And that's, again, like my science nerd coming out of like, ooh, how do we feel about a book study compared to a face-to-face session or a right. face-to-face session in the school year versus in the summer? Um, so yeah, we are consistent across all formats of PL. Well, and that reflection and that feedback is so important. We know how important it is to give teachers the time to reflect and to ask them to reflect. Um, But we also know how important it is to gather feedback so that we can use that feedback to plan for the future. Um, So speaking of using feedback (laughs) to plan, in what ways has, you know, or have the responses on your exit tickets led to changes in your professional learning in your district? So I think just something that's super important is if if you're going to ask a question, if you're going to ask teachers for feedback, you have to be willing to do something with it. Um, or it's almost more damaging to keep asking them and then never address it. Um, I think as someone who, anyone who designs professional learning has invested a lot of time and energy and effort. And just like when teachers ask students for feedback, you have to be willing to accept the truth that you're maybe going to hear. So we just try to embrace the Ted Lasso, like be curious, not judgmental. Um, And you have to do that, right? So one of the things that we always do is for any of our choice questions or rating questions on Google Forms, you get the quick snapshot. You can kind of scroll through for the overall group. Here's where we are. The other thing that we then do is we go into the spreadsheet, we conditionally format, we have like sort of a a individual participant kind of code then for like, how was this session received or this learning received by each individual? And I think with that, and you've talked about it a lot on your podcast, when we look through and we've gotten ones across the board on the format of the session, the relevance of the session, whatever, it can be easy to be like, well, they were just having a bad day or they don't like me or whatever. And we really have to look more deeply, especially for people in unique roles. So yeah. did the one, um, you know, art teacher, like get what they needed from this session? No, like they, they maybe didn't. And we need to look at that. Yeah. Um, same thing with like student, like student services, like, uh, you know, did the, the life skills teacher feel like this applied to their role. So I think it's allowed us to really think differently about individuals, but then also the whole group. One thing that's kind of been a conundrum for us is like, we know we're modeling constantly. We feel like we are modeling strategies and technology tools all the time. But very often the modeling question that we ask, it's not like all fours. So we're like, what's what's going on with that? And you've talked a lot about how PL also needs to be content based. And so we're like, okay, like there's something to that when a math teacher doesn't see how this strategy might apply to them or a history teacher isn't sure what to do with the thing that we shared. So it's really allowed us to try to refine how we design our individual sessions. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of topics, we've tried to get better about asking things like, 
what learning do you think you need next? Because we are given a lot of autonomy and that we know there's a lot of different directions we can go. So if we're trying to make a decision for the next part of the learning, we'll ask, what do you need next? And we might also ask, what all are you interested in? And that's how we get at some themes of like student motivation or student engagement or English learners and some of those other things. So then we we sort of put that all in the in the mixing bowl and try to figure out how can we sprinkle in um, those pieces. So we have like the small conversation about our session design, but then we also are able to take data back and say, this is what teachers are saying and how might we provide those other topics or formats. Yeah, I think giving teachers the space to share that is really important. And we have a very similar question on our exit tickets as well that we then use to help us determine, you know, here's what they're interested in. Here's what they need. How are we going to make that work and embed it into future professional learning? Or does it have to be a totally different format? Is this something that could be offered as a trade time or something that's maybe just virtual? Um, the other question I was going to ask as you were talking is, do you have a lot of teacher like in the classroom presenters or is it mostly coaches and administrators leading the professional learning? It's been a lot of coaches um, for the last couple of years with some of the things that we're doing as a district. Um, we've been able to, when we can, structure kind of like a mini conference type of thing. And that is always so well received and it's such a great way to honor the work that teachers are doing in classrooms. Um, we're coming up on our last half day in May, so we're thinking about how might we get more teachers to highlight and share um, what it is that they're doing in their classrooms. Um, we've done some things in the past where we almost did like a mini conference and people could say like this is what I want to share and I think we all know that what teachers love about that is you're hearing it from a colleague. You know, it works with students, not just adults in a session. Right. And it's so concrete and so applicable versus some of the things that maybe feel a little more disconnected from day-to-day -day practice. So I would say right now, it's definitely a lot more coach-led. Our summer learning is maybe led by supervisors and grade level leaders, but more of our during year has been um, coach and admin led. Yeah, I was I was asking that specifically because, you know, we we do we've transitioned over the years and it's taken some time, but to having a lot of teacher presenters. But one of the things that they always say when we're trying to convince someone, they're like, oh, but you have that exit ticket. And, you know, they specifically <laughs> give feedback. So like mm -hmm. their fears about if they're willing to put themselves out there in front of their colleagues, which we know, like we're coaches, so we're used to it now. But that was one of the things when I first started that I was like, oh my gosh, like it's one thing teaching to kids. It's a totally different thing when your audience is your, or your peers, you know? And so one of the things that um, some of the teachers have, have said about their hesitations in beginning to be a professional learning leader is the fact that you know, what if that feedback's not great? Because they know that we collect that. Um, so that is kind of a hesitation for them. That's super interesting. I would say that what we've done when we have had those choice-based things is we still send a global, like not a session by session exit ticket, but we send a global one. And then people can, like, we don't ask, when you were in this person's session, what did you right. take away? Like we just kind of allow, you know, something that's super interesting is coaching is supposed to be strengths-based and asset-based, but then we ourselves can be so focused on the, the yeah. negative 
for hurtful <laughs> feedback, but uh, that's a huge piece of it is like trying to normalize that. Yeah. Like not everything is as great as we think it is. Or we've been having a lot of questions about, are we still planning for ourselves? Like we as coaches love the articles, the podcasts, the books. Right. But when I was in the classroom, I was not having enough energy to like read things. Right. Besides the lab reports I had to grade. So like, <laughs> we're really trying to grapple with like what, and, and teachers are learners too, and they're all different. So how can we really try to design our sessions in a way that everybody or our entire professional learning system in a way that everybody can grow? Um, I think another set of questions that we've started that we're like, we will ask these forever is we started asking in our format session section, what's strong and what's wrong. And that came from the first hack in the book, Hacking Deficit Thinking, that we need to shift from what's wrong to what's strong. But we're point blank asking, what was wrong and what else do you need? Um, what's great is when it's like, well, I it was a little cold in the cafeteria. Like, yeah. It's true. That's real. That impacted your learning. And you must have liked everything else about the session because that was, or you could only focus on how cold you were. Right. Um, but that's allowed us to, like most recently, um, we're kind of doing some cohort-based professional learning. And we were able to take like the three themes of our what's wrong and turn them into like little mini seminars that was like, if this was your question, come here during this short time frame, and we're going to work with you because the whole group didn't need it, but we can still meet needs. So yeah, that's great. That's a great way to use the data for small group instruction. So just like we would in the classroom with our kids, right, to differentiate learning and differentiate based on need, you're able to do that with those exit tickets with teachers. Um, I do have one more question that came up, and it was something Maybe that was just unique to our district. I don't know. Maybe we just had a couple curmudgeons, but you know, we had the kind of like plain vanilla exit ticket. That was just your general like things that you need for Act 48 for years. And then a couple of years ago, we started transitioning to more of what you're talking about to get more specific feedback. And the first couple of times that we had teachers fill this out, like there is a spot and maybe we learned our lesson that we shouldn't just have. Is there anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> Uh, but they would say, I want the old survey back. I hate this survey <laughs> because it was a little bit more in depth. I don't feel it was cumbersome, but some teachers really struggled with the switch in the, okay, I just need to do this survey mm -hmm. to check the box to get it done for my Act 48 versus, okay, this is a little bit more in depth survey um, that they're going to actually use. So I wondered if, you know, if you had any of that sort of same thing when you transitioned to this, this more in depth survey for your district. It's hard to remember a little bit. I definitely think that the quality and the honesty of responses has increased over time because people are seeing that we do read it, we take it to heart, and we make changes, whether it's individual follow-up or whole group adjustments based on what they're saying. I think the other thing that we try to make sure that we do is build in time within our sessions and we adjust that time. Like there, there was a more recent exit ticket where we had added some extra things and we were like, this is going to be a little bit more than the usual with a few more open-endeds. Let's do 15 minutes instead of 10 at the end of our dedicated time. Um, because we also know that once they leave it, they're not coming back to that. That's just one more email in their inbox, maybe. Right. Um, 
So, and I would say too, some of the things like we, we leave as optional, like if you don't want to say what's wrong and what's strong, like we, again, we really try to decide, do we need to hear this from everybody or can it be an optional question? Um, and I think people, people do have varying levels of response, but in general, no one's asking for the old form back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm actually, I'm really glad you brought up something there. Cause I think this is really important for listeners that if you are going to incorporate some sort of exit ter- ter- ugh, exit ticket survey, which I highly recommend, build in the time during the professional learning day to give the teachers to fill that out because you are entirely right. If we just send it after and we say, hey, fill this out to reflect on your learning, you're not going to get a probably really great feedback because it's post, right? It's post when the learning occurred. It's also just another email in their inbox. So definitely work into your day, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, however long you think it's going to take for the teachers to engage in uh, reflecting on their learning. And when the questions are consistent, they kind of know, like it's not new every time. So it it hopefully speeds up the process. That's been successful for us. I don't know that the teachers realize the questions. I don't think they're thinking deeply about their exit ticket in between sessions, but it kind of helps them go through more quickly, we think too. Awesome. Awesome. And would you be willing to share a copy of your exit ticket with listeners if I put it in the podcast link? Yeah, I can send you a template form that people can just make their own copy. And yeah, happy to share. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Megan. That's really good advice. Mm -hmm. Definitely an important topic. It's a key component of of professional learning. So hopefully listeners can walk away with with some takeaways from the conversation. So as you know, as a podcast listener, which thank you for listening to the podcast as well Mm -hmm. and sharing it, I know you've shared it multiple times, um, you know that I ask the same three questions at the end of every podcast episode. So um, the first question is, if you could briefly describe your worst professional learning experience without providing any personal identifying info and just what made it so terrible? I will preface this with, I love school law. It was my favorite class in grad school. But one time we had this lawyer come and it might not have been 90 minutes, but it felt like it was. And it was just reading slides the entire time. And on top of just being the absolute worst format for professional learning ever, it was like not uplifting at all. It was like all the ways you could lose your job or get sued. And so we were like simultaneously bored and terrified. Yes, (laughs) I actually had a very similar situation a couple of years ago. I don't know if it would qualify as the worst, but same type of deal. 90 minutes on the stage, sharing slides. Uh, and and you're, you're right. Like, of course, it's important information. We need to know this information, but it is not at all uplifting. And that was the way we started the day. So like, what kind of tone did that send, you know? Yes. So- and that was not in my current district, but. Yep. No, you're good. Okay. What about your best? Let's turn to the positive. So if you could pick your best professional learning experience, um, either as a, you know, as a facilitator or as a participant, what would it be and why? Um, This is maybe like a unique one, but I had done my instructional uh, or my online instructional endorsement through Millersville. Ephrata sponsored a cohort of us like early in my teaching here. And um, that was definitely for like credits. But what I appreciated was that they delivered the entire um, experience in Schoology, which is our learning management system. And what it was great modeling. And I think the biggest thing that shifted my mindset about online learning was 
I think we've all done like the read a bunch of stuff, post on a discussion board, two to three obligatory replies, and you just kind of like suffer through it. But we created such community in the online space. And there were so many creative aspects that we were sharing things. We were learning new tech tools and we were sharing them with each other. And we really got to know each other. And that really made me realize how powerful the online space can be when designed well. So it impacted how I use technology with my students. And then it's really been a big payoff with trying to use our online platform for professional learning with teachers. And then like the added bonus was when we all had to learn how to teach online, um, we had some of those best practices that we could kind of incorporate for teachers also. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Because sometimes I find that you're right, the virtual learning experiences for teachers are just kind of, all right, check off the box, get it done, fill out your responses, read this, read that. So anytime it can be interactive and really, truly meaningful, that's great because that's what all professional learning should be. Okay. And the last question I have for you is if you could only give one piece of advice to those in charge of planning and or facilitating professional learning for educators, what would it be? I think right now, as I'm getting my lineup of summer reading ready, I would say read the PD book by Elena Aguilar. Um, Don't be thrown off, Jackie, that it's called the PD book and not the PL book. It is absolutely about professional learning. And I read that last summer. I think it would be great for any teams. Um, It would be a great book study for any teams that do professional learning together. There are just so many little things to think about. And it had a huge impact on the way that I think about professional learning and she has so many concrete examples. Um, And the whole thing is like, what if PD felt more like a party? And that's really just been something that we've reflected on a lot and and trying to make professional learning an uplifting um, and invigorating experience. So I really recommend the PD book by Elena Aguilar. I'm glad that you brought that up because I also read the book. And yes, at first I was like, oh, why does it have to say the PD? But all of the content, in the book is fantastic and lots of really great advice from Elena and I want to say it's Lori I forget Lori Cohen yeah Lori Cohen I mean they're just they're just fantastic so maybe one of these days I'll be able to bring one or both of them on the podcast you should talk about their work that would be amazing but yeah definitely recommend that book and definitely for any coaches or you know school leaders who really take take charge in providing professional learning for the district so Megan, thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, It was a great conversation. And hopefully one day soon, we will actually be able to meet in person. Yes. Because I know you're a Penn State. Yeah, you're a Penn State. Penn State grad, right? Penn State fan. I was right here, 10 minutes from Penn State. So next time you're in the area, let me know. We can meet up for a drink or whatever. Yeah, I'll meet you at the creamery this summer. Creamery, ice cream, even better. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Megan. All right. Thanks, Jackie. Okay. All right, friends, that music means we've entered the takeaway time portion of today's podcast. I would absolutely love to hear your thoughts about the episode. What stuck with you about the ideas Megan shared? Take a minute to reflect and then post your thoughts on Twitter using the hashtag PL Playbook Podcast.
Okay, so that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed listening and I encourage you to share this episode with your colleagues. Megan was generous enough to share her district's PL exit ticket with me, so I put a link in the show notes for you. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter at LitCoachJackieW. Interested in being a guest on the show or have ideas for future episode topics? Take a moment to fill out the Google form found on my podcast page. Until next time, Edge of Friends. <laughs>